telling stories is one of my favorite things to do. And some people maybe thought I was a bit crazy to be like, I'm going to take photography, a visual medium, and bring it to a podcast. And for these episodes, I am going to talk about an image that you cannot see. Now, you can see it if you go to afterdarkphotographypodcast.com and you look up episode 17, you will see the images that I am talking about in today's podcast episode. This is a special episode where I am talking about not one, not two, but three images and the relationship of those images to each other and how they were created. We are going to go through a bit of a journey today, my friends. I'm going to talk about the act of remembering and how that influences what we do today and what we create. We're going to talk about location. One of the things that I find near and dear to my heart about what do you really need in a location? And it's not necessarily the thing that you will hear from most other people. And of course, there's going to be a little bit of a touch on planning because, you know, your girl, Christine, really likes planning, but how planning can leave us open for things that we didn't expect. That's a little bit of what you are going to get in today's episode. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Christine Riche, an artist and mentor to photographers around the world. Consider me your interstellar guide on the path to being a better nightscape photographer. In this podcast, we will bring together our artistic right brain and technical left brain by exploring creativity, art, and inspiration in photography, as well as diving into technique, gear, and strategy necessary to elevate your craft and photographic practice. I am so happy to be a part of your Milky Way journey. This is the After Dark Photography Podcast. Well, hello. It is lovely to have you here on the podcast with me. Now, today's podcast might sound just a little bit different. I don't know if you heard it there in the intro. I am recording it under the stars, actually. Now, I'm not in the middle of some nowhere crazy spot. I am just outside on my deck recording this. Um, my neighbors might walk by and think I'm crazy. Who knows? That's all right. But it's a lovely night. The moon is going to be rising soon. We're just a couple days past full moon when this is being recorded in September. So I am out and looking at the beautiful stars. I know, right? It's always clear when it's the full moon cycle, isn't it? In any case, I thought that I would want to record this particular story out and a bit more in nature because this is another story spotlight episode. And I am going to be diving into more of a, it's like a three-part image story, but it's all location-based. And I wanted to record this outside because it brings back more of it to me. In the background, you're probably hearing just a little bit of the buzz of summer sounds, specifically summer here in Nova Scotia. All of the, the bugs that create the, the sounds of the night, as it were. You might even hear some, some 
uh, cars going by, some distant traffic. And that actually is very much how I created the images that I want to talk to you about today. So that's why we're out here under the stars together. Well, you may not be under the stars, though you might be. I do get feedback from some students saying that they listen while they're waiting for the clouds to clear. If that's you, I hope the clouds will clear. A little bit of an update before we dive into everything. I just finished up and closed registration for my last cohort into my Milky Way Photography Masterclass of this season. Yeah, we are nearing the end of Milky Way season this year. Depending where you live, we have this month and next month of a little bit more shooting. And then we get into the long winter, aka when you learn Photoshop. When we process all those images from the summer, when we take time to hone our skills to learn, and of course, when Orion comes up. So we had our welcome call today for the new students. Just so wonderful to see so many new faces and to get to be a part of the journey that so many people are on, getting out at night and just being a part of something bigger. So that for me is probably the most special thing out of all of this it can easily become very lonely in this particular type of photography, given that I am out at night in the middle of nowhere taking pictures. Maybe I have one or two people with me shooting. Maybe I'm out alone. It's not generally, at least here in Nova Scotia, the type of photography where you're going to run into people. Um, and and uh, I often do not run into people in the places that I'm shooting, like the story from today that, that you're going to hear. Uh, not a ton of people shooting on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere to be fair. And to have this community of people that I get to mentor and that I get to just see their journey and be a part of it and cultivate relationships is something that for me is, it's beyond my wildest dreams, frankly. Uh, I used to get to be a part of this, a bigger part of it at the university when I taught there. And now to be able to do this, but do it without borders, without geographical restrictions is pretty freaking cool. So that's where we're at right now. I get to dive in and answer questions and guide and come up and troubleshoot. And the lovely thing is that there are always new questions, things that I have never thought of before that come up and that pushes me as a photographer and an educator. So we are really excited to get started. I say we because I am just assuming everyone else is, but no, it's really a, a fantastic energy. And it even, I find when we get a, a new group of students in, it also becomes a time when our past students, our alumni, start stepping into that role of alumni, of mentor. And all of a sudden they're like, whoa, like, look at everything that I learned. If you were listening a couple episodes ago, uh, episode 15, I talked about one of the best ways to get better at what you're doing is to teach someone else. So we get a lot of peer mentorship happening as well inside the group, which is really, really rewarding and gratifying. So that's pretty much what I've been up to in a nutshell. This 
cycle, this part of the cycle with the moon cycle and it being full moon, it is really for me a time of rest, of rejuvenation, of learning, of bringing things together. And that's why when I thought about what I wanted to share with you this week, it was more of a story, a little bit of a winding journey or pathway to help us understand a bit more about why it is that we're shooting what we're shooting and some of the lessons that can come from being out under the stars. And of course, those, (laughs) yeah, those are going to be varied depending on who you are and, and what you're shooting and what you're doing. But I also think that there are some things that are a little bit more universal as well. And in this episode, I want to tie together those pieces for you. So where we're going to start, I've hinted to this already, we are going to be on a summer's night together. Now we're late summer, but this was an early summer's night for all three of the images we're going to be talking about. Geographically, they are very close to where I grew up. So these images are taken around Shubenacadie. And if you're like, what did she just say? You can look it up in the podcast notes. So if you go to afterdarkphotographypodcast.com and you come and look here at episode 17, you will be able to see the show notes for today. Uh, So Shubenacadie is not that far from where I grew up, just down the road. And this is the spot of what locals will know of as the tree. You may have heard me speak of this before. You might be a local and you're like, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Or you might have heard me be like, I know it seems weird that we can just say, oh yeah, that's the tree. And that, you know, people in Nova Scotia would be like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, if they live in mainland Nova Scotia and they're coming in to Halifax from anywhere you know, north of uh, north of Halifax, they're going to know the tree because it is this iconic oak tree on the side of the highway. So on the side of Highway 102, just outside of Shubenacadie. And for me, this tree always meant home. So we would, as, as kids, we would come in to the city. And that's just, by the way, the city is Halifax. Yes, where I live is very small. We know if you say the city, we only mean Halifax. We don't mean anywhere else. No shade to anyone here from Darkside if you're listening. But uh, be local to get that reference. But if you were coming in to the city... And from where I lived, we would drive past the tree. It was very close. It's only about maybe a a 15 minute drive, depending how fast you go, maybe 10 minutes from where I grew up. So as we would be coming home, I would remember coming home and it would be late at night and I'm tired, but I would always fight my brothers for the window seat on the passenger side in the back for the sole reason that I wanted to see the tree as we drove by. And this is just like the one of the most vivid memories that I have, but it's an accumulation of memories, if that makes sense. It's not just from one time, it's from a time again and again and again, where I we're coming home from the city. It's, you know, it's a, a longer drive. It's about an hour drive. 
And when I would see the tree, it would mean we're almost home. We're almost there. The day, whatever the day had held, it was coming to a close. We were coming back home. That's what that tree meant to me. Now, the first image that you'll see when you go to afterdarkphotographypodcast.com on our show notes page for today's episode, episode 17, the first image you see is a panoramic and you'll see it's titled The Lion King Tree. Okay, I am well aware that in The Lion King, that really iconic lone tree in The Lion King is not an oak tree. I know that now. However, as a child, what in my head, what did I see? What was in my frame of reference as like a one lone tree that just has all of this meaning and gravita attached to it? Yeah, it was from The Lion King. Uh, I also loved, loved The Lion King. I had these little like Simba and Nala. They were like um, the stuffed animals, but their noses had magnets in them. So they would kiss each other. Yeah, that was a big thing for me as I was a kid. Uh, I think I might actually still have those somewhere. My kids aren't old enough to care yet, so I try not to bring things out to my kids until I think they might actually care, because I don't want to crush my my childhood dreams. Um, so, to me, that tree I always called it the Lion King tree. And the funny thing here is, before this night when I took this photo, this this is the very first photo that I ever took at the tree. And this is an exceptionally well photographed tree. I mean, you can find photos of this tree online. You go onto like different like Facebook Nova Scotia sites. You will find photos of this tree in every season, in every weather, in the fog, in the snow, covered in ice, with the fall leaves in the spring, like every single iteration it can be found of this tree. And I had never taken a photo of it before, ever, like not even a snapshot. I hadn't taken a phone photo. I hadn't taken a Polaroid. I hadn't taken any photos of this tree ever before. And I finally decided that I was going to go and shoot the tree. And so the first time that I photographed it was in July of 2018. And I went by myself and to go and shoot this tree, you're basically pulling off the side of the road on the highway. And then you're walking across a farmer's field. And on this particular night in July, it was a beautiful night. It was much like what I feel right now being outside. It is September, but you know, we're kind of bumper months. Like August is the hot month here in Nova Scotia. July and September, they're still warm. They're still nice at night, but it's not, not quite exactly the same as August. August is a bit more intense. And I hiked across to the tree in the dark, but accompanied by the constant traffic in behind me. And at this time, my dog Jazz, my black lab, was still coming out with me on almost all of my shoots. Uh, she's not now. She is four years older. She's almost 13 now. She'll be 13 in November and uh, has some cataracts coming in, things like that. Not quite as safe for her to be out at night. So she gets to lay at home and I give her snuggles when I get home in the middle of the night. And she kind of lifts her head like, oh, it's you again. Okay, I'll give you some attention for a minute. I know when she turns her head away, she's like, I'm too tired for you now. But she didn't come with me that night because I was shooting by the highway and that was just not 
not safe for her. So she's a very well behaved dog. She listens quite well, but I'm not going to take any types of chances. So I'm here and alone in this field by the tree, by the Shubenacadie River with these cars going by. Now, a few cars at the start, but really the cars kind of start to, to die off after a while because it was late. It was the middle of the night. My only companions were the long haul truckers and you can hear them coming before you see their lights come up over the ridge. And I point this out because as I'm deciding to create these images of the tree, I was like, I am going to do a panoramic of the tree because it lines up beautifully with the Milky Way arch. I can get them the core off to the right and then all the way over to the left with the highway and even Andromeda. It just lines up absolutely perfectly. But the problem here is that a July arch means multiple rows. So it wasn't just one straight shot across. And also there happened to be all of these truckers coming by and it's right off the highway. It's literally right there. So as they're coming along the highway, they're lighting up my foreground. And I was trying to take photos in between them lighting up my foreground. Yeah, that did not work. So I decided to embrace it. And I shot specifically as they came along. I waited for them to come. It was less time for me to wait for a big trip. Uh, truck driver to come along and light up my foreground than it was to wait for them to not be there. So I would take my one shot for the pano, wait for the next truck, take the next shot, wait for the next truck, take the next shot and go along. And so my foreground is actually lit by the truckers in this image. And that was the first ever really big panoramic that I did. It was the first time I ever shot there. I will say that particular image was painstaking to put together. Um, I use a new software now, which does a much better job, uh, PTGUI. Most people call it PTGUI, but I can't say that with a straight face. So I use that software now, which would have made a huge difference back then. But I think I remember spending like 20 plus hours editing this image just to get it to line up and put it together. Because when you're waiting for the trucks to come by, the sky is still moving in relation to where we are. So technically there, there was a bit of work to put together on the image, but it still holds up as one of my favorite panoramics. And it's interesting to me that it took me so long to go back to this place and shoot at it. But once I was there, it was a feeling of like, oh, yeah, of course, of course, I'm doing this. Of course, I'm coming back to this. And this is one of the first threads that I want to pull at in the images and the stories that I'm telling you today is this act of remembering. So I actually have a uh, photo book slash memoir idea that I've been working on for a while. And one of the through lines on it is how remembering myself has influenced who I am today. How there is this period in my life where I forgot really the things that, that were truly important to me, where I was trying to chase 
ways of being and living that I thought would keep me safe. Um, ways that I thought, you know, I have to go and I have to get this job for someone else and I have to do this work and be this person so that I can provide for my family, so that I can be financially stable, I can be safe, all of these things. And the byproduct of, of doing this and chasing this safety, perceived safety, really, is that I started to lose things that it, are really important to me, but they didn't fit into that. And at one point, it was all second nature. It's just who I was. But bit by bit, I started to move away from that. And when I started doing night photography, and if you listen to the first episode in this podcast, you'll know a little bit more about this. When I started doing night photography, I started to get those pieces back. I started to get those experiences of being out at night. Like literally right now, I'm just out and there's the Big Dipper, there's Polaris. I'm just looking up at the stars like I did when I was a kid. And it was about remembering the things that came so naturally to me. You know, the things as a kid, you just did them because you liked it. Because <laughs> you didn't have to do other stuff. Potentially, I, I will say in, um, not in defense, but in retrospect and looking back at, in my particular childhood, there's a lot of things material-wise that we did not have, but it was very, my brothers and I are very fortunate in that our parents supported us to be whoever we were. So, you know, when I showed an interest in arts, even though I was, I guess was, maybe I should say am a very intelligent person. I got very good grades in all of the, the things you're supposed to, you know, like maths and sciences and all of the things. But I decided not to do any of that. It was a no brainer for my parents to support me on that to say, yeah, absolutely. You don't want to use your honors with distinction and top of the class with all of these things. You want to go do art, you go do that because they're very supportive. And that's a through line through through my life and, and through my childhood with my family is that we were very, very supported to do the things that came naturally to us. And I should say that I'm grateful for that because, yes, I went in a bit of a different direction because I was chasing things we didn't have growing up, like the safety net of um, a consistent income enough to provide always and, and to not be worried about money and those things. But when I started to get these small pieces back from my childhood, and that really started with night photography, with being out under the stars. I started remembering the things that were important to me before I learned about the things that I thought were supposed to be important. I, w I wonder if that resonates with you because we, I feel like so much in life is uh, there's all of these things we think are supposed to be important. And then it's like, whoa, well, hold on this actually not the things that we should be giving our thoughts and our energy to. So it's this process of remembering and it comes full circle with these images because up until the point of taking this photo, 
most of my images were created at spots that I, in the past and growing up, I always loved in Nova Scotia, but I didn't really get to go to. So we didn't have the money to take these trips and always be going to the ocean and uh, the leisure of the time and the gas money and all of the things. We didn't do all of those trips. You know, I had the the kid friends who went and they camped in RVs at the ocean and things like that, that to me, I was like, oh, I wish I could do that. So when I started creating night photos, a lot of it was creating those types of images, going to the places that I love. And I, I still, don't get me wrong, I love all of these places. Um, I'm blessed and grateful to, to live where I do in Nova Scotia. But my image making was really around a lot of these places. I photographed most of the images at uh, the ocean, at hikes that I went on to, places that I developed a relationship with as an adult. The first image, the Lion King tree, is really one of the first images where I started to go back to places that meant something to me, places that held something deeper to me. And this is this process of starting to remember, remembering the things that used to be important to me, remembering the things that used to hold deep meaning that just kind of got lost along the way. And that's what the creation of this first image really means to me. Now, the next two images, you're going to see one of them looks very similar to the first. The next two images are photographed on the same night. And this was last year. This was early June of 2021. And I had decided, all right, I know more now. <laughs> I'm a better photographer than I was in 2018. I'm going to go back. There you go. It's earlier in the season. It's in June. So I can get the full panel with just one row across. It'll be an easier stitch. It'll be a nicer image. I'll do starlight for the foreground. I'll track for my sky. I'm going to get a nice updated panoramic shot of the tree. So that was the plan for the night. And I was like, okay, I uh, sent a message to my friend and we were going to go meet up there. But I was like, you know, I have time tonight. I don't, I don't always have time with two small kids. And I'm wondering if one of the kids is going to set my son's windows right up above me where I'm recording. Is he going to pop his head out and be like, what you up to, mom? Why are you talking to yourself? But with small kids, I don't always have the luxury of extra time to go before a shoot. Sometimes I'm like, roaring up right when I need to start shooting. But this night I had time. And so I left early and I decided I just wanted to drive around just a little bit. It's nothing crazy, but I just wanted to get off the highway before I needed to. And I wanted to drive around a little bit. This is a place where, you know, as a teen, one of my boyfriends lived down this way. And so we would go roaring around this whole area. I just wanted to come off the road and just see what I could see, you know. And this is where I want to do a, a little side detour from the story on this idea of planning. Because there are two images from this night that I'm going to show you. 
And one of them was planned. And one of them was completely unplanned. But the unplanned one would not have been possible without the planned image. And this is where the the magic comes in. Because when we take the time to plan out our shoots, to say, okay, I need to be here at this time. I'm going to be shooting in this direction. I know how I'm going to shoot it. I know the image I want to create. It's a panoramic. I know the mechanism for creating it. It's using starlight for the foreground. It's shooting a panoramic. It's tracking the sky. It might have sounded like this. Can you hear that? You can probably hear that. Might have sounded like that as I'm shooting it. It was planned in advance. I knew the time, the exact time I had to start shooting it. I knew how many frames I had to take, what focal length. Everything was planned to the nth degree. When you do that, you're very likely going to get that image or something similar to it. But this is the piece that's really exciting, is that when you take that time to plan everything out and you're going to your shoot, all of a sudden... You're not worried about everything. You've got it. You know what your plan is. You know what you're going to do. Yeah, there might be like, okay, well, I need to remember this bit. I need to remember that. But for the most part, you'll feel, especially I did, a lot more calm and confident about what you're doing. And because of that, you are now getting out of your thinking brain. You're getting out of that forward thinking, like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And you're letting your subconscious brain come out a little bit. And that's where our creativity really lies. So all of a sudden, you are now open to things that you might not have seen if you hadn't planned. If you hadn't have had this detailed plan and idea in your head, you might not have been open to seeing something else. And that's exactly what happened on this night. So I decided I'm going to go do a little drive around. You know, I'm just going to go down the roads that I used to as a kid. I just want to see them a little bit. I've got extra time before I show up at my location. And so I pull off the highway. Pull up. There's no traffic. But of course, you stop, look both ways, because there could be traffic. And as it can be in the country, that traffic uh, might be some people who shouldn't be behind Uh, behind the wheel at that particular time of the night. So you do need to pay attention. It's, It's rather important. So I stop, full stop, look one way to my left. Okay, nothing coming there. Look to the right, look back to the left again. So I'm about to pull out. And all of a sudden, I see like these, this two like light blinks, almost like eyes. And my brain at first registers like, oh, that must be an animal picking up my headlights. But then my brain caught up and was like, no, dummy, your headlights are pointing forward. You're looking to the left. That's not how things work, (laughs) funnily enough. And then it clicked in and I said, those aren't, those aren't animals. Those are a bunch of tiny flying insects that light up. They're fireflies. Or if you are a south of the border friend here, you may be saying lightning bugs, same thing, but I'm sorry, they're fireflies. Like, come on, the idea fire anyways so it was all kinds of fireflies now this i have to say it was particularly early uh like i said nova scotia not crazy warm unless it's august so to have fireflies in june is is pretty early fireflies generally don't like to be out when it's cool but there were 
dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of fireflies along the side of the road. And so I did what any sane person does. And I immediately pulled over to the side of the road, got out with my camera and my tripod and walked into the ditch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I did. Now this, it was still blue hour. So there was still light from the fading sun. And I looked at my orientation and I said, okay, I can shoot this. I can take some images here and then I can get a Milky Way shot. Then I can go over and meet my meet my friends at the other spot. And I sent them a message. I was like, I might be a couple minutes late, but I'm coming. I'm, I'm over here taking pictures of fireflies. And I walked around through the ditch through. So, okay, here's something for anyone who's local. Um, I walked down a ditch into the grass. I walked into grass that was up to my chest. Okay. You might be thinking, yeah, so what? It's grass, like, oh, maybe snakes around. Yeah, no, we don't have any poisonous snakes here. What we do have, though, is ticks. Is so many ticks. So I actually doused myself in this product called Atlantic. Um, so it's like Atlantic, but T-I-C-K at the end. Um, I think the primary ingredient is lemongrass, because that's what you smell like. Doused myself head to toe. Like, I completely smelled like it. Not a single tick on me, by the way. So, but I felt very brave walking into this chest height grass. And I took these test shots just to see, you know, what angle do I like? What do I see here? And finally, I came up with an angle that I was happy with. I had some trees, um, some fir trees in the left, and then I had some birch and some other deciduous trees off to the right. And the fireflies making their way. And so I set up to take multiple exposures in a row. Now, it's funny when people look at the image, they think, oh, what did you do with light painting? And I was like, light painting? That's called the street lamp that I could not get rid of. Like this is not, you know, I'm not in some peaceful meadow in the middle of nowhere. I am on the side of the road in the ditch, basically. And there's a big street light in behind that's one of those things where it's like oh I wish I had like a pellet gun right now um but I didn't so I used it to my advantage I just didn't show it in the image and I took 30 second exposures anything longer overexposed from um the street lamp that was there and I shot for I think I shot for about a half hour and so I let my camera run and then I just went and kind of sat and, and looked at the fireflies and watched the movement of the fireflies. And once I was like, I think that's pretty good. It's been a little bit of time. It was full dark. Took a frame for the Milky Way um, to put it all together later. And that's the image that you see here, the fireflies image. Now, there's a little bit more that I want to talk to you about that image, but we'll, we'll wait. Um, that will come through at the end here. But that image turned out to be one of my best-selling images at my recent gallery exhibit, my recent solo exhibit. It became one of the best-selling images. And the lesson here is that you don't need to go to those amazing, those epic places. You don't need to take these trips to these stunning vistas and locations. You know, I need to go to the Grand Canyon, or I need to go to these just beautiful, beautiful locations. Will you get good photos there? Yes, yeah, mm, you will. Absolutely. And 
will you look at them and be like, oh, this is stunning. Like, I want to put these images up. I love them so much. Yes, there's a very good chance. And there's a very good chance that other people who have been there will also really connect with the images. But the thing that happens is you don't have to put a lot of thought into those images. It's the beautiful vista. It's been photographed by how many people? in how many different ways it's been created, it's been done. Now it is unique in that you are creating it, but there is a level of ease to it that just doesn't translate into something that connects with people on a deeper level because people will have already seen images like that. And you're getting that, oh, I love this image based on the place as opposed to you as the person. And the problem that really comes from this is that when that's how we're getting and interacting and connecting with people, it is not based on us. It is based on our ability to get somewhere, to go somewhere else, somewhere other than our home, unless you live you know, you're just a hop and skip, hop, skip and jump down from the Grand Canyon. It means you have to travel, you have to go places. And so when you can't travel, when you can't go places, you've run out of vacation for the year, you're not able to budget to fly somewhere, you don't have the time to do it. Or maybe your family is like, why do we have to do this during the new moon? It's so and so's wedding during the full moon. And that's when we're going, you know, like, ah, damn it, it's not working out. When that happens, now what are you left with? Well, now you're left with your home, your place, your familiarity. But here's the thing, that's where the magic comes. That's where we can start to know a place on a deeper level and we can start to create something that resonates with people in a new way. Because you are going to go to places that someone else who's not from here will never go. Will someone potentially come here to Nova Scotia and park on the side of Highway 102 and go over to my Lion King tree? I say my, it's not my tree, everyone. Everyone feels like they own a piece of the tree and take a beautiful panoramic of it. Yeah, they might. They might just. But will they drive down the back roads that I was driving? Probably not because it's my home. It's where I was. So it's another, this is like another, you know, they're my asides, my, my small rambles, which happen on these story ones, of the idea that you don't need these big, amazing places to go and shoot at. You need to think more about what you're creating and why you're creating it. And then from there, with this particular image, it's having that margin for magic. It's taking the time to plan, taking the time to know what you're doing, and then being open to what the universe gives you. Literally, like it might be hundreds of fireflies on the side of the road. So that was the first image of the night. Then I hopped in my car, put my stuff in. Super easy. <laughs> Hike of five feet literally to my vehicle just across the road um, and hopped in got back on the highway pulled over and met my friends and shot the tree again I was like this is gonna be my updated tree photo I'm gonna it's gonna be the best photo ever and so I get set up everything goes off technically without a hitch and it really is a great shot but funnily enough things change over time don't they Everything that's living changes. I am not the same person that I was when I took that first photo in 2018. 
that I was when I took that photo in 2021, the last photo on the podcast page you can go and look at. I'm not the same person and the tree was not the same tree. It was, but it changed insofar as it lost a really big limb. And from the road, you don't really see it because from the road, you're coming at it from a perpendicular perspective to how I'm photographing it to get the panoramic. And in practice, what happened when I created this panoramic is that it felt lopsided. It was technically better executed. The sky had more detail in it. It was a significantly easier panoramic to put together, but the resulting image it felt, even though perfectly level, it felt lopsided. Because off to the left of the tree, you can see this in the image, it's missing a chunk. It's not missing, it's just it's a tree, you know? We, as living things, we are not permanent. So pieces of us fall away, whether metaphorically or literally, and it had changed, it had become different. And the image that I created was not the one that I had in my head, was not the one that I thought I was going to create because there was change there that was different. So ultimately, when my exhibit came around, I actually ended up going with the image from 2018, even though, you know, there might be some little things I can see, some little pieces where I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, I could do that a little bit better. It was the image in my vision. It was the image of the Lion King tree. This panoramic is still a nice image, but it's actually an image that got shelved for me. And you've potentially seen it before on my social media, but you know, you don't really see it in, in other places because I have this other image that to me speaks more to what I see, what I experience and the collection of my remembered experiences over time. And that I won't go too far down that rabbit hole, but when we are creating images, when we are taking something out of our head and turning it into a physical reality of a two-dimensional image, we are interacting with our environment and we are creating a scene that is also based out of all of the other scenes in our head that are similar, whether it's we're photographing a red barn and it's all of the barns, red barns that you've ever seen growing up, which if you're like me and you grew up in the country, it, that's a lot. It's a lot. My first babysitting job was in a, a red barn, <laughs> converted to a house, obviously. Uh, a big uh, sign point for going home. You got to turn at the red barn. And you have all of those memories and remembrances in your head that you need to try and then communicate visually to someone else who doesn't have the same memories and remembrances. And so for me, the first image of the barn, the barn, the first image, I could cut that up. I'm not going to uh, for an inslip. The first image of the tree is the one that more aligns with that vision 
and lived experience of year after year of night after night of driving home with my face plastered up against the window. Jeez, my mom must have been so annoyed. Like how many times did she have to go in and Windex that window because my face is literally like plastered right up against it, looking at the tree as it went by, breathing, fogging up the windows I wait, drawing stuff in the window. And then finally, when I know it's coming up, plastering my face to the window and looking at that tree. That's what the first image, my first panoramic represents to me. The last pano that I did there doesn't represent those experiences to me. It represents more of the reality of what is there now, the change, the letting go, the just the evolution of and progress and march of time. All of that is is what I see in that second image. And to me it's something that is valid and and is good to share as a story and an insight here with you. But it's not the image that's going to go on my website for, for those reasons. Could it go in a different alternate reality? Yeah, it could if it was just a beautiful tree that I saw and I wanted to shoot. Yeah, absolutely. But to me, it, it's there's differences and there's things in there. Now, the last piece that comes with all of this, not to end on a more somber note, but these images were taken at the start of June. And I posted the Firefly image on June the 8th, 2021. Posted it up on my Instagram. And I talked about fond memories of chasing fireflies around. Um, as a kid, we'd have fireflies in the, in the fields by our house. They like the long grass and they like the warm. So these are the long nights, the long days and the long nights. Um, everything seems long when you're a kid of summer and so we would get a mason jar and run and chase fireflies around I mean I don't know I'm sure that my parents let me do it because it burned off a bunch of energy like, can you imagine that like literally just running through the field tripping on like anthills and grass and just like trying to get a small firefly into the jar we would poke holes in the jar lid so that we didn't kill the the firefly and we would let the firefly go but these just this lovely memory and so I posted about that and my mom commented on it and said how she had those fond memories as well and then the next day my mom passed away and I got a phone call the next day telling me that my mom was gone it was very unexpected as many of you have heard and already know but that image gave me this last piece of connection. And that is something that I think I will be forever grateful for. And when I created the image, was any of that in my brain? No, no, of course not. I was just excited to see fireflies. It was that remembered part of me as a child who had that that magic of like, oh, look at this, the butts light up. And they're flying around. This is awesome. And then as an adult to be able to re-experience that feeling. And then to have that moment of connection with my mom. The last thing that we ever, ever talked to each other about. That's something that I'll always be grateful for. And now that's something that that image will always mean to me. And this, again, 
tangents, but relevant. We never quite know what the act of creation is going to hold for us. We know the reasons why we're creating, at least at a surface level. And if you've listened to my podcast, you come along with me on the journeys and the things that I talk about. You'll have started to think a little bit about why we're doing things, why you're going out there, why you're shooting, why you're creating. But this act of creation, it never quite goes out into the world in a manner that we can control and that we can expect. And if you leave yourself open to it, you are going to find that things happen that you never expected. I didn't expect to create a firefly image that night. And I fully expected I was going to be putting up a pano of that tree. That's the shot. I was going to be coming on Instagram and being like, hey, everyone, look at this. Look at my awesome pano shot that I just did. You know, like I fully expected that's what I would be doing. But instead, it, it the universe handed me, no, here's, here's this thing. And I took the time to see it. And I get to have that last beautiful and connective peace to my mom through the image. And then I get to share a piece of that. Now people, you know, the people who have bought um, this image, it's a limited edition print at uh, the gallery. They don't necessarily know all of that, though, if you're listening and you have it up on your wall. Now you know a little bit more about this story. But the, it comes through the image nonetheless. There's something there that just translates without needing any words. And I suppose that's why today's story was not just one image, but it was three images, because it is about giving ourselves the space to remember and the space to create. And also you know, realizing you don't necessarily need to be chasing all of these places and these things. Sometimes it's the things that are right there in front of you, the places that you've been, the places that hold meaning to you. If you are lucky enough that they are in a place that is dark, I do, I do have to acknowledge my privilege in the fact that I did grow up somewhere that was very dark and have access to dark skies. And being able to give yourself space to explore those things, even when sometimes, you know, you might not know where it's going to go. You might not know who it's going to resonate with. That's okay. Sometimes, and I talk about, you know, create things with the idea of the relationship with the viewer. It is okay to sometimes trust yourself to be like, ah, this is, I, I'm interested in this. This is something that has meaning to me. I'm going to explore this a little bit more. And as you go through that exploration, things will come up. You know, it, a lot of times action creates clarity. And if you have these little thoughts, I think this, this is what I, I will leave you with today. So I won't go on too many more tangents because I, I could do it. It's easy. It's a nice night for me. A nice late summer's eve listening to the the bugs in my yard and watching the planes fly overhead and the stars twinkle a little bit. I could go on a lot of tangents with you. So when you have these little thoughts come into your head, 
you know what happens when you get these like seemingly random thoughts about stuff? That is your subconscious like poking something at you. Be like, hey, look at this. Are you paying attention to this? No, stop. Stop looking. Stop scrolling your phone. Stop looking at all these things. You get these little thoughts or these moments or these things that come up. When they pop into your head, I want you to just listen to them and see where they take you. And can you, and when we take this back to creating images, you think about a spot. Like, oh, I haven't. Oh, I remember that. I haven't thought about that forever. I haven't thought about that place. Could I go back there? I want you to give yourself permission to explore that idea and permission to go there to create, maybe not necessarily with everything figured out because uh, I know I said planning and plan stuff out. Yes, planning is fantastic and it's still valid. The thing that happens, however, is when you take that action and you actually go there and you start shooting. And the perfect way to do this would be to go on a scouting, pre-planning scouting trip. Taking that action and being out there, that is what's going to create the clarity for you. That is what's going to let you start creating images that maybe you wouldn't have thought of before, that maybe wouldn't have come in to your brain. So, I think that's what I have for you today, tonight, tonight, as I'm recording this. It was really lovely to get to go back through these images with you. I would be interested to hear what pieces you picked up from today's episode. Are there things that resonated with you? Are there pieces of your practice today, the way that you shoot that come from a remembrance of who you are? Is that something that you've had come up before? Have you potentially had nights out where you planned everything out and then you had this little bit of magic happen because of that? I'm interested to hear your experiences. What are things that resonated from today's podcast with you? And how are they mirrored or reflected in times that you've gone out to shoot. So thank you for coming along on Storytime with Christine. Now I should, let's put out like a little mat. Everyone sit around. No, I have small kids. I'm sorry. That's where my brain goes. Storytime at the library. Love it. So thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for listening, for going and looking at the images. I appreciate you. I appreciate having you here. If you want to take this conversation deeper, I love to hear people's thoughts and reactions inside the Facebook group. You can get the link to that when you go to afterdarkphotographypodcast.com. In all of the show notes, I link to the Facebook group. This is the only group that I have running outside of my paid groups um, year round. And it's a great spot for reflecting and coming up with other ideas and sharing and, and bringing together. And on that note, if you are enjoying the podcast, I would love for you to leave me a rating on the Apple store. It would mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and a little review. I read through every single one of them. So it would be really lovely uh, to hear your thoughts and to hear what you think of the podcast because uh, sometimes I'm sitting on my deck in the middle of the night and the neighbors across the street are thinking, this girl is crazy. It's, you know, it happens. So 
Thank you so much for being here with me this evening, today, wherever it is where you are, and I will catch you on the next episode. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to my podcast episode today. If you're excited about night photography, but you don't know where to start, then listen on. This is for you. Well, hello, it's Christine. I am the host of the After Dark Photography Podcast, and I'm the founder of the Night Photography Academy. And if you don't know me, I have been a professional photographer since 2009 and teaching photography actually since 2008. When I first started teaching photography, it was to students who had excitedly just bought their first ever camera, or maybe who had a digital SLR sitting on a shelf, gathering dust, and they were finally ready to learn how to use it. Now, almost 15 years later, I find the same kind of people coming to me super jazzed about night photography, but frankly, overwhelmed at where in the heck to even start. For one, they haven't mastered using their camera on manual mode, let alone doing things like equivalent exposures, which is really the bedrock of night photography. And if that sounds like you, I have just the thing. I am giving you 100% free access to the first module of my Photography for Beginners Bootcamp. This was a hybrid online in-person class that I taught here in Nova Scotia before the pandemic happened. People would take the class online and then I would run field trips where we would go out and practice together. And I am giving you access to the first module completely for free. Unfortunately, field trips are not at this time available. Imagine that you know exactly what setting is the most important to use on your camera in any given situation based on, you know, what you want to create. What's that vision in your head? And not only that, you know how to do all that, but you also know how to troubleshoot. So maybe if things look too dark or too bright or too blurry or even too sharp, you will know exactly what to do to fix it and get the image you want. After going through this totally bingeable course, you will master manual mode on your camera and be able to confidently create beautiful images with your digital SLR or mirrorless camera. To sign up, go to christinerosephotography.com slash bootcamp. And that will be in the show notes too, if you just want to do a quick click and hop on over there. Thanks so much. And I can't wait to see you on the next episode.